This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Adam Stone. What a brilliant young entrepreneur. So Adam is the founder and CEO of Speedlancer.com, the world's fastest freelancer marketplace, delivering design, writing, and data entry work in just four hours by curated professionals. Speedlancer has been featured almost everywhere, in Forbes, the Huffington Post, Startup Daily, to name a few. It was labelled by Inc.com as the Uber of freelancing and was accepted into the 500 Startup Batch 12 in San Francisco. Adam himself is a Forbes Asia 30 Under 30 recipient of 2017. It was my absolute privilege to sit down and speak with Adam here in Melbourne and learn of his journey and his story to becoming a worldwide renowned young entrepreneur. Take a listen. Adam, welcome to the Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, so I reached out to you on LinkedIn uh, very recently, actually, uh, when I saw your feature in the Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia um, of 2017. And when I looked more deeply into you and your story... You noticed I was the only redhead on the list? Yeah. <laughs> Just <joking. Well>, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, when I looked more into um, you and your story, I realised that we were, we actually graduated in the same year at high school, so in 2012, um, and kind of to see what you've done since then um, in the space of, you know, in the entrepreneurial sh- space is just phenomenal. And so I knew I had to interview you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. But before we go into your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? That is a really interesting question. It won't surprise you that dad is an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, so ever since a young age, I've been surrounded by, you know, dad's phone calls and his business and all of the decisions that he had to make and the stress. And actually, it was a really interesting story because I grew up like, I'd say, middle class, you know, um, maybe on the lower end. Of middle class. Um, dad had a business um, that he took over from his dad, which was basically a bankrupt company in the automotive space, managed to turn it around. And when I was in year four, um, so when I was about nine, um, we moved to the US. So we lived in Chicago for about four and a half years after that. Dad um, managed to get a joint venture with a, a big company over there. Um, and so we all moved to Chicago. And that's when I really saw, you know, how, how a, almost, a, or almost a startup success story in a way. 
and I got to watch it from beginning throughout the years, saw the personal sacrifices that we needed from a family level. Um, you know, we all had our own bit of buy-in in, in, in the company in that way. And then, you know, he got lucky, had well, lucky and worked hard and got the exit. And we moved back to Australia and he started um, actually Melbourne's first startup accelerator program called Angel Cube. So I've sort of always been surrounded by this stuff. But um, I also started my first business when I was 12. So yes, he had, a, he, he had an impact on me, but for some reason I still, you know, it's, the idea for entrepreneurship came from a young age for me. And he didn't really push me too hard. He was always there when I needed when I needed his support. And mum came from a corporate background at Telstra. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... It, it, I've always been surrounded by the phone calls, as I said, and all the business talk. But I certainly had my own impetus as well, somehow. <laughs> I love that. Love it. Okay, so... Yeah, I was very lucky. Yeah, very cool. I think that exactly what you said, when you see someone, I mean, you see your dad or your, your parents go kind of through the whole ride and, you know, clearly, as you said, it impacts your family, where you lived. Um, I can only imagine, yeah, the impact that did have on you. But what was it, do you think, that led you to actually go at 12 years old, okay, I'm just going to create something? Like, what was that thing? Yeah, I'm honestly really not sure to this day. And it's something I'm trying to figure out now It's because it's only just hit me, you know, why do I do what I do? And I can't really come up with a reason other than I have to do it, otherwise I'll go crazy. You know, it's just, it's just who I am as a person is to be entrepreneurial. And people have asked me, you know, is, is entrepreneurial... Like I was talking to a group of high school students and someone asked, um, you know, is, is, is entrepreneurial something entrepreneurialism something that you're born with or can someone like me learn it and I said you know give it a shot you know see if it's for you and you'll know soon enough if it is Uh, I think it more happens if you're if you're instinctively an entrepreneurial type personality then it's something that you're stuck with as opposed to something that you're (laughs) uh, blessed with (laughs) (laughs) I love that distinction there so let's dive into Adam the early years so you know you said that obviously it's something you're stuck with so what (laughs) <laughs> what were some of the initial ideas that you had and the initial ventures that you kind of pursued? So my very first business was uh, selling email addresses on eBay. So when the, like, the PlayStation 3 came out and the iPhone came out, I used to have like buy PS3 at gmail.com or buy iPhone at gmail.com. And I have no idea why people bought them. There were big disclaimers at the top saying, this is not the latest iPhone. This is simply an email address. And I would sell them for like $150 a pop when I was like 11. So I said I started at 12, but like this was like pre, like I I would just create email addresses and sell the passwords for them (laughs) and people would buy them. Wow. It was bizarre. And my mum was a bit concerned. She was talking to my dad and I overheard it. She was like, I don't know (laughs) how he's making 150 bucks off this or if, you know, if, he should be able to make $150 so easily because I was like on $5 a week pocket money. Totally. And I was just making $150 every you know week or something through this. And my dad said to my mom, no, you know, if he's making money easily, you know, just <laughs> let it happen. <laughs> Might not always last. So. <laughs> um, and then when I was 12, I started my next business, which was selling BB guns on eBay. <laughs> I think I just sold things that I that I had a fascination with mm-hmm. um, and then when we moved back to Australia when I was 14 
that's when I started my first real business. Mm. Um, and that was in the mobile phone unlocking space. So if your phone is with one network and you want to take it overseas um, or change providers, you could go through us. And we became just basically luck and with some amazing mentors, um, the number one retail unlocking space online. So we had 140,000 paying customers. And I outsourced everything. So India, the Philippines, was able to keep studying in high school. I remember, like, instead of preparing for one of my sacks for uh, for high school, <laughs> I was up at three o'clock in the morning trying to debug stuff with our developers. It was a, it was a fun year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. There's so much to process in that. I have so many questions that come out of that. Sure. I guess my first one is you're 11 and you're sitting at your computer you know for, for you and I when we you know, grow up we did grow up in the te- technology age but it was still very new yeah. even at that age so was it a fascination you had with technology that kind of led you to jump on and go hey I can use this in xyz way like what was the thought process behind that yeah I always saw technology as like a medium an amazing medium for doing whatever I wanted to do so if that was me trying to be entrepreneurial you know for an 11 year old I can't imagine what I would have done without the age of computers and internet. Um, how, how could an 11-year-old be entrepreneurial when they want to be? Um, you know, maybe it would have come out in other ways. Maybe not so good. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> so I'm kind of grateful that, that I had that, but I've never really been, like, I'm intrigued by technology, but I'm not really super focused on technolo- technology itself. I like that it can deliver... I'd say normal human outcomes, you know, help facilitate these things. Like with my current business, helping freelancers connect with companies in new and interesting ways. I don't like, I don't like technology replacing the humans necessarily, even though that's in some ways inevitable. I'm more like using technology as, as a way to solve an existing challenge that has always been there. It like unlocks new potential. And that's what I find intriguing with technology. I love that. It's so true. Um, okay. So after you've done your first two ventures that your parents are clearly concerned about, um, <laughs> what, well, you know, what kind of led you to go, okay, when you were 14 and start your real, this business was actually like a full on deal, as you were saying, um, I have lots of stats about it, but I'd love to just hear about kind of firstly that initial idea, how did it come about? And then, you know, how did you grow it to that level at such a young age? Okay. So how did the, how did the idea come about? So when I was, 12, so living in Chicago, my dad gave me an old BlackBerry phone and he said, feel free to use it, but I'm not paying for AT&T, which is like Telstra. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm paying for the, for the shit provider, t- uh, T-Mobile, which is like Vodafone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fair enough. But there's a challenge because the phone was locked to AT&T and you, if you put the SIM card in it, you have to it, you have to unlock the phone. It tells you to type in a phone. So, like, I got on the phone with AT and T, and they they're like, "No, we're not unlocking that for you. You know, we want you to stay with AT and T." I was looking at the phone, brand new BlackBerry Pearl. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" <laughs> <laughs> um, like before that, I had like a, maybe a, not even a Motorola, like an old Nokia phone. Mm-hmm. I had in my drawer the other day, like a, a little oh. blue one that still works somehow. Um, but I went on eBay and found out that you can actually unlock the phones by paying for paying for a code. And then I Googled and I, and I was Googling the same thing that everyone else is Googling, which is how to unlock your phone for free. Um, and it turns out you can't because everyone's charging for it and they're all reselling it from like service centers and stuff like that where they get the codes from. So I went on eBay, bought the code and unlocked the phone. So the idea kind of stayed in my head for a while. And this was like 
I mean, people still come to the site and need to unlock their phones, but back then it was like millions of people needing to do it every day. It's like bizarre. Um, so that's when I decided when, when we moved back to Australia and I had to sell the inventory of the BB guns because they're not legal here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's when I decided to, to start this thing. And I said to my dad, I'm thinking of this phone unlocking concept. He's like, yeah, but everyone's doing that. I said, yeah, but I think I've got a new idea about how I can do it better. And that's leveraging off all these people that were searching for a free unlock. So, um, we ended up partnering with a company called trial pay and trial pay is an advertising based platform. So if you want to get our product, you can sign up for Netflix and Netflix would pay us and subsidize the code. So we were the first to actually do that. Um, so everyone who searched for how to unlock my BlackBerry 9720 Pearl for free, as soon as they put for free, we would pop up as number one and nobody else could compete with free. Um, so that's when it kind of went gangbusters. Um, it started off really small. I was very happy making five bucks a week through it. Um, and then I met uh, a mentor, Dominic, a very close friend of mine now, and he did all the SEO for one of Australia's largest e-commerce websites. And so he guided me through how to make our site SEO ready. And that's when it really went gangbusters. I mean, we were doubling every three months wow. for about a year or two. Wow. And I didn't realize what... I, I, I had no idea that this is not normally how businesses work. <laughs> I was going to say, seeing your progression, like it's, it sounds crazy. It sounds out of control. How do you come up with an idea that was so unique? Like that was as unique as yours. Like how do you think, okay, no one else in the world is doing this. I'm going to do this. Like, is there any, are there any strategies, tips, anything you can give us or even like just dissecting your own mindset? Yeah, I think that? I always had a, looking back on it, I think I always had like a can-do attitude. Mm. It sounds weird, but people ask me today like, oh, you know, I've got this idea, but it's probably already been done before. Like, why do you think it's already been done before? You know, you're a unique human. You have unique ideas. It's very likely that other people haven't thought of it and in the off chance that they have, what's the chances that they're actually entrepreneurial and in, are in the position to actually do something with the idea? So I think when you get an idea, it's about not being scared of it, you know, but taking it as an opportunity. You know, you've come up with this awesome idea. All right, maybe now take the next step and look into it. Why is nobody doing this? Might be a good reason or might be, there might not be a reason. And I think when you're in the entrepreneurial mindset, you know, I, I realise that I actually could do things. And when you realise that you can get things done, um, then nothing can really stop you from there. Mm. I think it's mostly about attitude and willingness to learn and, you know, um, leveraging opportunities but um, and networking and you know, all the other things that come later. But, you know, in terms of idea generation, it's about having the attitude, OK? Maybe, maybe we should take this thing to the next level and take a little bit of a gamble. Makes life a lot more exciting. How do you develop that attitude? How do you, you know, can it, is it something that you think we can all kind of practice and develop or do you think you're born with it? I think looking back on my entrepreneurial career, it is something that did develop over time. You know, I was able to develop confidence with it slowly but surely, starting one small business, selling the email, email addresses, having some success. And I think the other thing was not having any expectations. So never along the journey in any one of my businesses did I ever expect anything out of it. With my current business, Speedlancer, I didn't expect that I would move to San Francisco or, you know, raise money or, you know, anything that's come, 
come out of it. Um, basically, it was just I wanted to get into the startup scene. You know, I'd had a business and I didn't really need anything from many people. Um, and also, I couldn't really take it to the next level because it was sort of at its peak. So with Speedlancer, I thought, okay, why don't I start something new as a side project in uni? Um, and I just wanted to go to networking events and have something to pitch to people. So that was my full expectation for this company. And three years later, it's still around and, you know, we're starting to kick some goals. Um, but yeah, I didn't really have any expectations selfishly or for the world, I have to say. It was just uh, just curiosity to see what was out there. Mm. Very cool. I think when you, I think that's such a good point that you raised when you let, when you almost don't have expectations, you kind of let go of that. I need to get this, or I, I need to get to this level. Or if I do this, it has this has to be the outcome. I think things just start to flow a lot, a lot easier. So it's super cool to to see how that's been the case for you. Um, cool. So I would love to go into kind of the just before we talk about uh, Speed Lancer. A few of your other early ventures. So I see that in uh, so in our first year of uni, so that was back in 2013, uh, you were awarded the Australia Student Entrepreneur of the Year Award from the Entrepreneurs' Organisation. Now, that is massive. What was that in regards to which business did that talk to and kind of how did you feel after that win, um, you know, kind of thinking, you know, I'm still so young. I think you were 18 at the time. Um I'm still so young, but I've already gotten awarded this. Like, I've already received this award. What was that experience like for you? It's a really good question because that was actually a pretty um, monumental, game-changing moment for me in terms of my vision and what I wanted to be as an entrepreneur. I'd never met any other entrepreneurs that were my age at the time. Um, so that award was for the mobile unlocking website. Um, and it was my first real award or any recognition before that I was sort of a hermit and entrepreneurialism was this like selfish endeavor where you know I just did it to make a buck or to satisfy my own own curiosities um but it wasn't really like I didn't want to get my word out there I didn't want anyone to know about it my best friends at school didn't even know I had a business until it was a bit strange because everyone else was working and they're like, oh, are you looking for a job? And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I don't need one at the moment. So <laughs> I did actually work at Macca's when I was 16 because I wanted to, you know, see what it's like. <laughs> um, oh, ugh, nightmares. Um, but yeah, so that was a pretty, pretty monumental moment because they sent me to Boston, no, Washington, D.C., for the um, Global Student Entrepreneur Awards Global Competition. So that was amazing because I was surrounded by hundreds of these teenage entrepreneurs um, and some a bit older. I mean, it was all students, so uni as well. And I was able to meet the most inspiring people who are like some of my really good friends to this, to this day. And my dad came with me, proud dad. And um, I remember sitting on the train after the conference and I was like, look, I'm really inspired to, st- to start the next thing. And I remember sitting on the train and talking about this early freelancing idea I had. And that's where we came up with the name Speedlancer. So this was 2013 and I only started it a year later um, when I was using freelancers more and more for my business. Um, and that's when I thought, you know what, I'm just going to start this. And that's where the idea came from. So it was actually after that, uh, after that competition. <laughs> Funny you asked. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I think, I think you're so right there. I think it's when you... 
start to net, we go into that networking phase, when you start to see people around you or surround yourself with people who are doing similar things to you or who are in a different space, it does kind of, I think, open your mind up. And I think that the benefits are just, well, clearly, in your case, the benefit was enormous. So I, I think that's a really good point for us all to, to take away. Um, brilliant. So I'd love to jump straight into Speed Lancer. So obviously I know now where the initial idea came from. Talk to me about how you knew you had to go off and pursue that and what were some of the early challenges you faced going into that business? Yeah, so many challenges. (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, So in about May 2014, so I was studying law at the time, commerce law, um, and I decided to start something new. Um, My my previous business was working, but it was sort of at its peak, as I said, so I, I just got bored with it. I wanted to start the next thing for some reason I still don't know why <laughs> I've got this like weird weird bug in me that I just have to itch all the time <laughs> like you know. um so that's when I started Speedlancer and it was a very small side project just basically leveraging my network of freelancers and helping other people connect with them it really wasn't doing well <laughs> so we we're maybe getting a hundred dollars a month in sales so like two tasks a month from like couple of different clients you know some press picked it up somehow uh, startup smart I think wrote the first article um, and in December 2014 that's where I kind of got lucky so I was uh, there was an intern at my dad's uh, accelerator angel cube actually in inspire nine where we are now sitting in the corner of that room over there <laughs> and um, everyone was doing practicing their pitches to Dave McClure he's the founder of 500 um, which is a, a, a big accelerator in the US. And everyone was practicing their pitches and, you know, Dave McClure wasn't really giving them much feedback. And then I put my hand up, I was in the corner of the room and I was like, you know what, I've got this this startup called Speedlancer and I did a 90 second totally unprepared pitch. Everyone came up to me afterwards and said, wow, that pitch was amazing. I was like, what, really? <laughs> just, I don't know. <laughs> just told my life story in 90 seconds. <laughs> um, and Dave didn't really give me any feedback and I was a bit disappointed at the end. I was like, why didn't he give me any feedback? And he came up to me the next day and he said, I want to invest. I was like, what? Um, 500 startups, like this program that I've heard about a lot and, you know, they get 2,000 applicants in every batch. I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. And I actually said, no. I was like, no, I'm studying uni at the moment. What about next year? And he said, no, now or never. And he put me on the spot. And I was like, all right, when does it start? He says, in two weeks. Uh, I was like, okay. I wasn't really planning on putting my law degree on hold. (laughs) So I kind of changed the trajectory of my career or my life. (laughs) Uh, I spoke to my parents and my mum was like, oh, law degree. And my dad was like, no, you should do it. You know, he'd had had one startup before go through the program and they'd done really well. Um, So the next day I went up to Dave and I said, I'd like that spot, please. And he said, um, okay, well, you said no originally, so I can't guarantee anything for you anymore. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. But he gave me, he gave me an interview with one of his partners and I got in. So, yeah, that whole serendipity thing where you're putting yourself out there and just trying to see what comes of it, sometimes you can get really lucky with things. I think you, you kind of make your own luck in some ways. So in terms of learnings on the way, I mean, 500 was an incredible experience. It was like an MBA in startups. So in my last business, we had one marketing channel, which was like SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, And with this one, I really didn't have any idea of what distribution channel we would use. Because the last one, the last ones, I never really had to think about it. First business was eBay. That business was 
put a website out there and traffic came from Google, I just kind of figured the same thing would happen. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> this was probably the closest I've come to failure. And everyone around me was succeeding. And that was like a really weird situation for me to be in. Because luckily I've actually never been in that situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so for six months or four months of a program, it was a hard uphill battle. So four months of, you know, 16 hour days, maybe more. I'd work for eight hours, go to the gym, go back to the office till sometimes three or four in the morning. Like I've never worked so hard in my life. <laughs> Didn't even know this hard work existed, to be honest. Uh, and everyone around me was, you know, just Americans like to hustle. That's like their word, hustle. I'm like, I don't even know what hustle means. Why do you need, why do you need hustle? <laughs> just have a good idea, build it, and you know, people will come. What's this hustle thing for? But I think when you got a vision, you know, you're kind of inventing things and reinventing new distribution channels that need to apply to your company. So the number one learning for me there was how uh, your pricing model and your product needs to match the distribution channels. How are you actually going to get the word out there? Um, if you're getting massive volume, then lower prices. If you're getting low volume, you know, just think of what you're doing organically. What is currently working right now? You know, if you're a B2B company, you're probably talking to people and you're getting inbound leads which people call organic or word of mouth. If that's the case, um, then just focus on that. You know, you're doing something right already, but you're just not killing it because your pricing model is wrong or you're not selling things, um, you're not selling the right products to the right people. Maybe there's no viral uh, effect to it. Or maybe it is that you need to try a new distribution channel and, you know, see if those work. But I think in a lot of ways, people don't really um, think about what is already working and doubling down on that. So for us, we had to change our product three or four times, change the pricing model on top of that three or four times, and three years later, we're now starting to get some traction. <laughs> wow. What a story. Once again, so many questions come out of it. Um, I love it, by the way. This is amazing conversation. That first 46 months where you were like, it was an upward, like, battle, upward hill battle, and everyone else was excelling. Yeah, everyone else was excelling, you know, and you're like, someone's decided to invest in me and I'm here now. What mindset do you have to get yourself into when you're in that situation? You know, let's just say for some of our peers out there listening, you know, we're at a phase where, you know, put lots of time and energy into our idea and we're at a phase where we just everyone around us seems to be succeeding in what they're doing but we just can't seem to get there what advice would you give what mindset did you have to be in yeah just one of persistence I would say and willingness to learn and willingness to adapt um, and I think that's what entrepreneurialism really means and stands for which is actually pretty beautiful a pretty beautiful thing because it can get you to do things that you never thought were possible um, and I think that's the way that you can achieve new and interesting things and uh, work with interesting people and meet interesting people is just through being open. So I think um, the mindset was just tenacity, I think, which is something that is really important for every entrepreneur to have. Um, yeah, mm. I'll say those are the main ones. Mm. I love that. Okay, so once you'd gotten up that, that hill... Mm. Talk to me about, you know, kind of, I guess, the excitement or the feeling that you got once you knew you'd hit a point where finally, you know, things were starting to happen for you. When did that happen? And how did you know things were starting to take off for you? Um, 
We raised a bit of money in September 2016, so that was probably a moment because I'd done a lot of pitches before and, you know, nobody nobody had ever said yes. (laughs) And then when someone said yes, I was like, what? 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 what now? <laughs> you know, I was so used to being rejected and I kind of enjoyed the rejection, to be honest. It's fun. You wake up in the morning, you do a pitch and see what happens. It's exciting. It's really exciting. <laughs> you know, if they just said yes the first time, then I don't think I would have had that excitement. Anyway, um, so that was probably the first moment. But I think last year when the company was starting to pick up, um, and we changed the model to recurring revenue subscription model and customers were like actually loving the product more than ever before. Um, despite that or because of that subscription model, um, that's when, you know, it, it, I was sort of like, okay, this can actually be a real thing. Um, but it definitely wouldn't have taken off if I wasn't there. Like if I wasn't there to push it and keep it going, like if it was just a side hustle project, mm. it would have collapsed many times, many times. <laughs> I love, I love that you say that. I actually want to latch onto that and talk a bit more about that. So, I mean, so many people out there, the word is, oh, just start your side hustle, you know, whilst you're doing your full-time nine-to-five or your, your studies, you know, it's going to, that's the whole deal. When do you know that you have to move from just side hustle to, okay, I have to drop everything else and put and do this full-time? When do you know? Yeah, I wrote a blog post on this actually called, um, I don't remember what it was called, but something to do with side hustle. <laughs> um, it's actually... I, I quite like the blog post. It's on my Medium account. So Medium, search for Adam Stone. and uh, it's, I think it's called the, I don't know, Side Hustle. You'll find mm. it. Um, but it's basically about how the importance of a side hustle because my previous business I was running while I was studying full-time. Um, and I think that just... Uh, it, it sort of means that you can do things without worrying about it failing because you've got something else. And for me, that's what business always was. So just now in like the last year um, has been the first time that I've done Speedlancer without studying, for example. And that's been quite an interesting change for me because the business is the focus. And that's quite strange because the business has never been the goal of my life in a strange way. Um, So in terms of like when to move from it being a side hustle, I think it's when you realise that there's actually more of a vision to the business than you had when it becomes a company, you know, and you've got a vision and a purpose um, and you want it to be bigger because you want it to have more and more of an impact. Then I think organically it gets to the point where it's not necessarily a side hustle anymore. But the idea of my blog post is that I think side hustles shouldn't necessarily have a vision. They should just be to empower you with a bit of extra spending money, you know, take that edge off, um, be able to subsidize some of your rent mm. and you can then focus on, you know, you've got a bit of a more free mind to focus on the idea that actually really matters for you that you want to take for your next 20, 30 years of your life. Um, so I think there's nothing wrong with a side hustle, but I don't think a side hustle, side hustle is necessarily going to be that company that takes off, but that's fine. I think nothing like, you know, whatever, whatever works well for you is what's important. Very cool. Very cool advice. Okay, so just intrigued to know also what when you're, you know, when you're this idea of like you're doing something and no one else is really doing it. So, you know, people who are our age, especially in Australia, I mean, I think in the US is a little bit different. It's kind of strange to be out there kind of doing your own business or, you know, not applying for grad roles or not doing X, Y, Z. How do you become comfortable with being different from the crowd? I think it's mostly just to, just to spin it a little. I think it's about being not 
not being complacent. You know, if I get too used to this lifestyle, then I begin to not appreciate it either. So I think it's important to realise that the other option out there is to do those grad roles and to do those things. And what I'm doing is actually quite exciting in comparison. <laughs> so I don't think it's yes. a matter of uh, not wanting to do the grad roles. Well, actually, is I don't I don't want to do those. <laughs> but if but if I had to, like I'm trying to be grateful. You know, if I had mm. to. I would try to be happy with it. Um, but I think it's more a, a matter of doing what you love and doing your passion. And for me, it's entrepreneurialism. It's not for everyone at all. <laughs> um, but I think for people that, you know, are thinking about it, maybe, maybe there's something in there. Maybe it's worth giving it a shot. Love it. This is a very, very cool conversation. So I just want to give everyone else a bit of a background on Speed Lancer. So from everything I've seen, I mean, your progression has been phenomenal. You know, you've been featured in everywhere in Forbes, the Huffington Post, Inc., Startup Daily. You know, you were labelled by Inc.com as the Uber of freelancing. That is huge. I died when I read that. Um, So did I. (laughs) Yeah. So talk to us a bit about what it feels like when you get these titles, when you start to really, the external world starts to really see and recognise what you're doing. What does that feel like for you? A lot of people do entrepreneurialism for the fame and all that sort of thing. Um, honestly, that press helped me get a US visa. <laughs> uh, I get very uncomfortable when there's press written about me in particular. If it's about the company, then I'm extremely proud. So like the Uber of freelancing, when the journalist said, what do you feel about this is the title? I was like, um, sure. <laughs> this is 2015, so before everyone was calling themselves the Tinder for the Uber for the this or the that. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, so if it's about the company, that's something I'm proud of. It often brings business results or helps with sales. You know, I wouldn't underestimate business press for the right reasons. Um, but it also won't probably it probably also won't make or break your company press in general, like positive or bad, at least at a certain level. For personal press, I think it is important to put yourself out there. But I think it's not the not the lowest hanging fruit. I think you can do your own networking and it's just about hustling. And actually, you need to hustle to get PR. So maybe better not to hustle on the PR and just hustle <laughs> in general, <laughs> you know, to meet the right people and get yourself in front of investors or customers or, or interesting friends and people like that or going to conferences, startup events. Uh, so, yeah, I think press, I don't know, it's... it's it's not even a means to an end. It just is something that sort of comes with the job in some ways. Um, I don't mind telling my story now. I think if I can inspire someone to, to, to do what they love, then that's the reason I do things like podcasts and write blog posts. And, you know, it's just an extra way to expand your impact. I don't think you need to be super quiet about what you do either. But for some people, I think it depends on everyone's personality. Mm. Well, an impact you have made, Adam, um, Absolutely phenomenal. So before I go on to our final question for today's uh, today's episode, um, I'd just like to take a moment and acknowledge you, Adam, and the incredible work you're doing and that you've done. Honestly, it is so inspiring to hear that, you know, someone from Melbourne who's our age or who's my age went to the same uni, has progressed like you have. And it really does. I mean, if your goal is to really inspire and to, to, to help someone kind of pursue their passion, it's exactly what you're doing. So I just want to commend you on that. It's absolutely awesome. Very kind. Thank you. <laughs> of course. So the final question for today is how we finish all of our interviews here at The Peers Project. And that is... What is the value 
of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think this is the age-old question. I wish I listened to all of your podcasts and <laughs> got some ideas from all of them. The value, I think uh, there's, there's personal value that it provides, which I think is actually the most important because you can't give back if you're not your best self. And I think entrepreneurialism, you know, like being an athlete or whatever, I think it, it can help you develop your best self and find yourself in a lot of ways, you know, rather than just being in a job and, you know, not knowing exactly what you're there for or not being able to be in the positions that you want to be in. Um, so I think that's the number one thing. And it, I think that can extend the, the extrinsic kind of impact that you can give to other people. If, you, if you're pretty sure of yourself uh, and you kind of know what your strengths and weaknesses are, then you can help other people with those. So I think the value of being an entrepreneur is about building your own self-confidence and then giving back. I think that has to be the, the driving force. Love it. Adam, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you and Speed Lancer? I've got a Twitter account, Stone Adam. Um, I've got Medium, which is the blogging platform, and speedlancer.com for freelancers, and LinkedIn if you want to add me, Adam Stone. Perfect. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here to see what else we're up to visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on instagram at thepeersproject we'll have fresh real talk for you next week peers until then if you need inspiration look amongst your peers <laughs>